Some scouting reports on some top forwards from the 2024 NHL draft, including the big names, Macklin Celebrini, Ivan Demidov, and we'll talk a bit about Consta Hellenius as well, all coming up on today's episode of Locked On NHL Prospects. You are Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On this podcast, we break down everything prospects related for you five days a week, Monday to Friday. I'm Hattie Kalakesh, joined by Sebastian High. And on today's episode, we'll be breaking down the big names for the 2024 NHL draft to start things off. The players who I think we both agree are in our tentative top two. Um, we're still kind of looking at what order they're going to be, but it's mainly it's going to be Macklin Celebrini and Ivan Demidov to start things off in our in our first two segments. Then we'll end things off with Consta Hellenius, a prospect that's a bit less talked about, but um, is definitely a player who, who's uh, who's to watch for the 2024 NHL draft class. Um, so we'll get right into all of that on today's episode. Before we get into it, just remember to like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, leave us a comment letting us know what you want us to talk about next. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, whether that's Spotify, Odyssey, uh, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast make sure to make us your first listen of the day so let's start things off here with Macklin Celebrini the big name I think you know he he's the first overall pick in um in pretty much every ranking I've seen put out uh publicly and in terms of media so let's get started with him uh, we both watched the same game it was Boston University versus Bentley um Bentley's a lesser known program they're technically part of the um the Ivy League kind of league. That's where main the main Ivy League teams like Harvard, Cornell, um, Princeton, etc. play. Bentley's in that conversation. They're not an Ivy League school. They're not an Ivy League university or college, but uh, they're in that division. Um, not the highest level of competition, but I thought that this was really a great start for Celebrini in isolation. And I see a lot of parallels with um, with Adam Fantilli, who was just drafted second overall in this past draft. So let's get started with that kind third. of comparison. Oh, third, that's right. I forgot about Leo Carlson. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, for, let's let's start there. That comparable um, for me, it's quite obvious the skill sets and all that. But talk me through it. Oh, it's a really easy comparable to make. I mean, these are two players that are going to be drafted in back-to-back years inside the top three who uh, both played with the Chicago Steel and dominated the USHL as the minus ones and then went on to play NCAA in their draft years. Uh, and, well, Macklin Celebrini's off to a very good start on that front too. So he might just catch up with Vantilli in terms of that draft year production too, maybe not quite the same extent, but uh, he he's going to put up points for Boston University this year. And yeah, both of these players are also Canadian playing in the U.S. Like there's so many, so many uh, links between them, but stylistically, they are also a bit similar. Like these are both fairly big forwards who are comfortable with with their frames and can play a physical style and kind of ramp up uh, that side of the game. But it's not like really the primary parts of either of their styles. Uh, With Celebrini, it's the rush offense that really pops at you. And I think with Fantilli, it was as well, but maybe to a slightly lesser extent, because I think that his offense on the cycle is at at the same age was definitely a couple steps above where uh, Celebrini is at on that front right now. Because uh, Celebrini is really, really primarily a rush attacker, and he's very, very good at it. And he's already succeeding at it at the NCAA level. 
he's really good at pushing back defenses. He's good at cutting back against pressure. He's good at lowering the shoulder, driving the net. And he does all these things at top speed, which is really impressive. Uh, both of these players, both Fantilli and Celebrini, have plus level tools across the board as well, which makes them really versatile and make their development really interesting because whichever team draft Celebrini and Columbus who drafted Fantilli have a lot of choice in terms of how they want to develop these players because they are so good at so many things at such a young age. And uh, I'm very curious to see how Celebrini's game evolves over the course of this season, mm-hmm. especially because he's young for the draft class. Like Fantilli was one of the oldest players in the 2023 draft class, whereas Celebrini is fairly young for the 2024 class, which gives him that longer runway. So we're going to kind of see him come more into his future style of play this year than I think we did with Fantilli in his draft year. So hopefully we're going to see a big evolution over the course of the season, but he's off to a great start and there's a good reason that he's the tentative number one prospect in this draft class. hundred percent. And let's delve into a bit of kind of what we saw in that game. So for me, what immediately stood out um, is his ability to make plays inside lanes um, and to kind of cut inside players, cut across them, find ways to kind of wiggle through the smallest areas. There was a specific play that I posted on my uh, personal account on Twitter um, where he had his back to the play. He recovered a puck near the offensive zone blue line. Um, back to the play, a player on his back manages to lower a center of gravity, spin around him, um, make a pass down low, immediately goes to the slot, receives the pass back one times it. The puck goes to the corner. He follows it. Um, his his play, his teammates kind of play give and go between each other. He's looking for the perfect area to kind of open up um, some space for him for himself to shoot. The puck goes back to the left boards. He's already just in the right spot with all the space in the world to take another one timer. And I've never seen a player put more put more weight into a shot than Celebrini put on that shot. I mean, he he did a 360, fell kind of back on the ice completely after that one timer. He put everything on it. It was kind of in the in the third period that the score was tied. They were looking to kind of uh move that forward and get something done. So uh yeah, I mean Celebrini's understanding of of the game itself and the development of you know when to make plays throughout the game itself is really impressive as well. He doesn't play the same game when his team's down one nothing versus up one nothing. He he understands the score really well and how to kind of manipulate that and, and play to his strengths and for a first game in the NCAA, I mean, I was very impressed. And there were some mistakes, and there always will be with players that are playing the first NCAA game um, as a draft year player. But what really impressed me was how often Celebrity made up for his mistakes. A specific play where he um, turned over the puck at the offensive zone blue line. Yeah. The, uh, the hardest back check of all time. Legitimately, like, yeah. you know, his, his head was between his knees. He was skating so hard. I mean, he, he was genuinely just barreling back up the, the ice to, to to cut that off. And he did. He got a stick on the puck and prevented it. And a, he crashed into his own goalie. <laughs> yeah, that, that'll happen. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there, there's some details like that. Um, he also drew a lot of penalties in that game just from pure virtue of being so elusive and, and, and quick. Um, you know, hooking, tripping, interference were pretty much essential to stop him uh, from getting through uh, the Bentley defense. And again, this is not the highest level of competition. I mean, I'm fairly sure the Chicago Steel could beat Bentley fairly comfortably. Yeah. And and that's, you know, it, it's not not to not to throw Bentley under the bus. It's just it's an unfortunate reality of the NCAA. There are different divisions with different qualities of team uh, teams. But yeah. Um, so many little details done right as well. I think that he's definitely the more refined of the big two. Uh, between him and Demidov, he's for sure the more kind of polished player. 
Um, yeah. But yeah, do, do you kind of agree on that? Do you see him as kind of the more, you know, if we're if we're comparing um, Demidov and Celebrini to Fantilli and Mishkov, you know, is, is that like, is that a is that a decent kind of, you know, two on two comparison there? It's amusingly accurate, I think. Like, yeah. of course, there are there are differences between those individual players, but I think yeah. in terms of like the bigger picture comparable of not only to the top talents in these uh, consecutive drafts, but also the actual debate that we're going to have to make throughout the season between those two players. Yeah. Uh, whereas last year was kind of that fight for a second overall, and you could throw Leo Carlson into that mix, even though... Like for us at Dopper, the argument was always between uh, Fantilli and Mitchkov in, in that yeah. range. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this season we're going to have the same debate raging on in, in, in many ways. And I think you're going to see the, the same scouts take the same sides uh, because it really boils down to um, philosophical differences as well. Where with Demidov, you have the player with by far the most outstanding skill in this entire draft class. Uh, I think as you as you noted in your in, in your scouting notes on the game that we've scouted on the meet of, uh, his handling is uh, expletive good. Like it's really, yeah. really good. It's insane. <laughs> and uh, with Celebrini, you have this this combination where you have all of these refined aspects, whether it be the decision making, the pressure application, the tools themselves, the scanning, especially that, the skating. Yeah. Oh my god! Right, and, and yeah. like lowering the shoulder, the physical mechanics of driving the net, like it's all there. And you combine that with this same sense of chaos that you have with Fantilli, which takes this mold of player that might sometimes be pigeonholed as like lower ceiling and really ride that ceiling up to the max because uh, Celebrini is willing to try almost anything not yeah. to like the the will smith extent of trying anything but he tries so 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 much on the ice and he's pushing his own boundaries constantly he doesn't kind of sit back and and relax in uh the style of play that he could quite easily tread water in at any level uh he really pushes himself to to try to max himself out and i think that's why it's an interesting debate between him and demidov because uh, even with Demidov, you have this high-end motor there that you didn't even see with Mitchkov last season, which makes it two such interesting players to compare. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to, to seeing how this debate evolves over the course of the season, for sure. We'll talk a, a lot more and go into a lot more detail regarding Ivan Demidov's game and the second segment, so stay tuned for that. But first, a quick word from our sponsors over at Jace Medical. Don't get caught unprepared. Jace Medical's got you covered if you've got an infection and you need antibiotics right away. You don't have to worry about supply chains, uh, about um, you know getting to your doctor on time, uh, all that kind of stuff. Jace Medical's got you covered. First and foremost, they offer the Jace case, which is a uh, a case of five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. If you have an infection, whether it's a sinus infection, ear infection, um, you know if you've got uh, you know if you've got a throat infection, that kind of stuff, a bad bad flu that that needs antibiotics, that kind of thing. They've got you more than covered. All it takes to get a Jace case is to fill, up a, is fill out a simple online form. And in some cases, you meet with one of their um, licensed uh, board-certified physicians. And before you know it, uh, your your Jace case is in the mail headed your way um, and, and ready for use. Uh, so yeah, you, you really should not get unprepared, get caught unprepared. Everyone should feel empowered to um, take care of their, their health and have their health in their own hands. So um, make sure to check out Jace Medical. Uh, you can get $20 off these life-saving saving antibiotics today from jace medical by using the code locked on at checkout on jacemedical.com that's j-a-s-e medical.com check it out 
Bird dogs make you look good. Bird dogs make these stretchy khaki pants and shorts that are designed to fit you slimmer through the thigh and waist to give you a truly sculpted look. What's even better is that bird dogs are made to make you feel as comfortable as possible as they are used as they use this uh, proprietary cloud knit fabric that ensures that all the sweat and moisture gets wicked away from your body to keep you cool and dry all day long. Basically, they do quite a similar thing to little lemon shorts, but they do it in a way that's a lot more comfortable and allows you to retain a far greater um, uh, range of motion uh, with your legs uh, throughout the day, no matter what activity you are doing, whether you're lounging, playing golf, going out on a date, or just going out on a nice evening walk, bird dogs are functional for everything. So go to birddogs.com slash locked on NHL or enter promo code locked on NHL at checkout for a free bird dogs water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on NHL for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. All right. So moving on to Ivan Dimitrov, my, my most enjoyable watch uh, of this 2024 class. I mean, he's just so exciting to watch. We have to start with the stick handling ability because um, I won't read this verbatim because I can't. Uh, but my first bullet point um, of the uh, of the of the game report that I that I wrote down, I, I write about in bullet points, kind of what I like of the player. The first one is just absolutely ridiculous hands, like holy expletive. So <laughs> I mean, it's Accurate. it's it pretty much sums up Ivan Demidov. I have not seen a player try this many stick handling moves in one game before. And then, you know, it was MHL tape. He was playing against a, an average team in the MHL. Um, every single puck touch, he took that as an opportunity to just go wild with the puck. Um, I, I, he had, I think 26 or 27 shifts in that game, 19 of them. There were, there was a highlight reel stick handling play in them. Like you could, you you could, you could probably make like a two hour long stick handling video of Ivan Demidov by the end of the year. And that's no doubt at all. End right? of the year. I think you already could. Has he <laughs> yeah. played 200 minutes yet? If he has, we're pretty close. Yeah, no, essentially. So yeah, um, we can start there. What, what makes it tick? What makes it work so well? Yeah, I've been trying to figure that out with, by, by, by watching him play, because as you said, like, Demidov's handling ability is quite otherworldly in many ways, and it's really yeah. unconventional too. Like he he tries things that you really don't see other players trying, and it's mm -hmm. it's not always efficient. But th that's the price you pay for trying things and just really giving anything a shot. And I think the MHL is a pretty good league to just kind of attempt things because yep. there aren't many consequences in the MHL. Like like Demidov can do just about anything he wants, and he's going to end up with multiple points and yep. a a great like expected goal def differential no matter what in the mhl pretty much but it's a it makes it a really great league for him to to try these things and i think one of my, my my takeaways so far is that for him it's the combination of this tremendous agility uh elite level edge work and high-end processing when you have those three together and you add in uh, as much creativity as you possibly can into the mixture, you get Ivan Demidov, and it's yep. really entertaining. Uh, the edge work allows him to maneuver incredibly well in tight. I, I don't think I've seen a draft year prospect be more maneuverable in tight situations than Ivan Demidov in the last three, four drafts. And that includes Connor Bedard in terms of the pure, like, pure maneuverability in tight. 
uh, you, you see Dominov use every single trick in the book to, to solve those problems. He's using Mohawk terms. He's using everything. He's changing the angle of his, of his body. He's changing the angle of the stick work. He's constantly shifting everything. There's this tremendous range of mobility that he has that allows him to execute all of these plays. And his brain ticks at perhaps even a faster pace than he's able to execute. Uh, yeah. So he's really able to attack any situation with incredible confidence with a tremendous set of tools to solve it. Uh, and while, of course, it's going to take a bit more time to fully translate that to the professional level, we've already seen big flashes of that against KHL competition where he's able to execute these plays too. And yeah. while it's not nearly as as high of a completion rate as against MHL competition, that's to be expected, but it's still a lot more effective than what you'd expect a 17, 18 year old player to be able to do at the KHL level. Uh, mm -hmm. So yeah, Demidov is a ton of fun. And as you said, uh, so, so, so much skill. Yeah, no, absolutely. And what's really interesting to me is that 90% of his, of his, you know, uh, of his stick handling moves and highlight row plays are just pure improv. You can see him head oh, into yeah. place with not a single clue what he's going to do himself. So how he doesn't, he doesn't need to often because yeah. he processes the games so incredibly quickly and yeah this is probably one thing that, that will have to change as he progresses through levels like you you, you can't just go through improv mode uh yeah. in every situation at the it's not gonna NHL. work in the nhl for sure but yeah but I mean, it, yeah it it demonstrates a great tool that is so valuable in terms of how quickly is able to solve really complex problems too yeah hundred percent. In terms of stylistic comparisons, I see a lot of Patrick Kane in him. Not just the stick handling ability and the and the dynamism and the ability to maneuver in tight, but also just um, some small details like the way he shoots. Um, he loves to toe drag and shoot. It's one of his favorite shots, and he uses it often and uses it effectively. Um, and on top of that, he's got really impressive. Like once once he heads out of a stick handling move, he's already identifying his next play and trying to figure out what he's going to do next. And he's really good at finding lanes in those situations. Um, to pass through, to play area passes, saucer passes to on, on teammates' sticks. Like there are small details like that in his overall like puck skill game that are just so impressive. Um, I do also really like the, um, uh, the 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 stick work defensively as well. He places a stick really well, yeah. understands um, understands the flow of lanes, um, especially, and that's super obvious in the MHL. And it's gotten him multiple takeaways. Um, it's a bit less. It's still a work in progress at the KHL level and against pros because it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a quicker processing kind of element that he, he applies offensively, but not always defensively. And the main thing that prevents him from being as effective defensively in the KHL is he doesn't layer his body into his stick work. So, you know, he'll put a stick in the right lane. He'll get it. He'll, he'll get a stick on the puck. The puck's going to be loose, but he's got a defenseman on his back and he's still reaching for the puck with his stick rather than establishing body positioning right after getting a stick on the puck. So just layering stick and body to, to win pucks back. That's still something that he really needs to learn. But once he learns that, I mean, he's got so much escapability and so much creativity and just raw skill off the charts. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if at the end of the day between Dimitrov and Celebrini 10 years from now, we're talking about Dimitrov as a better player. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Oh yeah. For but, sure. It's it's yeah. entirely possible. Yeah. Absolutely. And but as we stand right now, um, I still see Celebrini as, you know, in terms of the certainty aspect, you know, there, there's a there's a risk reward assessment to be done with with upside versus certainty, right? And I feel like the risk with Dimitov is definitely higher than with, with Celebrini. 
um, in terms of him not working out, in terms of, you know, him, him not being able to, you know, in, in terms of him being stuck in his ways as he's playing right now and not being able to pad the mental elements and the, the, the intricacies, the small details of Celebrini already has nailed down in this game. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm leaning Celebrini so far, but very very slightly. I think it's is definitely a top two, a very clear top two, and and might interchange a lot throughout the year because they're really close. It's just a matter of how yeah. you assess that risk reward. Um, do you, do you still see Demidov as a better prospect? I know we talked about that a bit earlier this year. Um, are you still of that mind, or is there a conversation to be had there? Oh, it's it's entirely a coin toss for me between the two. Like yeah. as of right now, I think both have really strong cases for that first overall slot. But I also think that no other player uh, has really shown me much of an argument for second overall ahead of any of these two. So yeah. I, I agree with you. I think that as of as, as early on the draft season, obviously, but it's a it's a top two draft in my opinion as of right now. And hopefully, we're gonna see the, like a couple of wrenches thrown into that equation as the year goes on. Like that'd be, it'd be fun. kind of fun if we see a couple of other names uh, punch their way into the same dis- discussion. But as of right now, I think it's quite clear. Yeah. Anton Celaya for second overall. You heard it here first, folks. This has been the second go. segment. Uh, we'll get into the third segment here uh, about Consta Elenius, a lesser-known prospect, but who's still doing really well right now in the uh, in the Liga in, the, in Finland. We'll get into that right after these messages here at Lockdown NHL Prospects. Sidney Crosby scores a hat-trick. Your team wins the Stanley Cup, and you win 100 times your money. These are all possible scenarios uh, for this season, and you have a chance of winning big with the Sleeper app. With studs like Connor McDavid, Connor Bedard, and Leon Draisaitl lighting up the league, the NHL is more exciting than ever. And with the Sleeper Daily Fantasy Hockey app, you can uh, take your part in on the action. By uh, tracking stats like goals, assists, save, plus, minus, and more, uh, you have a chance at winning 100 times your uh, deposit. Use l- promo code LOCKEDONNHL and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's Locked On NHL. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. All right, so let's end things off with Consta Hellenius. A very fun watch, uh, but a player who's, I, I think, has developed fairly well. I mean, I watched him early on in September, and I had some major concerns um, regarding his projectability, regarding his ability to play in tight spaces and um, kind of find his way to the middle. He's still fairly a, per, a, per, a peripheral player. Um, he's still the type of player who won't necessarily cut to the inside. But, I mean, he's got five points, including four goals and 11 games so far in uh, the Finnish Liga for Jokerit. Um, playing really good hockey as well. He's trusted with big minutes, um, important face-offs on both sides of the ice. Um, he's really good in the dot as well. I mean, he he won a fair share of his face-offs in the October viewing I got in of him. And I saw some decent progress in some areas that were big concerns. They're still concerns, but they're more on the slight concern kind of range rather than kind of major glaring issues. Um, so let's start with the kind of uh, the peripheral element to his game because that... Yeah. For, for his frame, for his abilities, you'd expect him to be able to do more. And I saw a bit more. I saw some promising things. He just needs to put it together, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, Hellenius is a, is a pretty fun player. He's he's agile and quick, uh, and and he has all the tools to be a really high end piece in transition. He yeah. plays with pace. He makes quick decisions. Uh, there are flashes where he uses the give and go really, really effectively. 
but his his default move and transition is still to carry the puck up himself and to beat the defenders wide. Uh, and that isn't the most effective tool against Liga competition on the European ice surface, which is a little bit concerning to me because uh, there's a lot of room out wide uh, on that ice surface. And yeah. if he's unable to consistently beat them wide, and again, this is he's playing against professional competition here, but Liga isn't exactly of the same level of like the SHL or the KHL, for instance. For sure. Uh, so it's a type of play that you would expect a player like Hellenius, especially with his toolkit, uh, to be able to consistently execute if he's consistently attempting it. Uh, but instead, he's consistently kind of just getting suffocated out into the boat boards, uh, giving up the puck, and rinse and repeat often, which uh, obviously is is the, the way that he's used to gaining the zone against junior competition. Yeah. It just doesn't work very effectively against the professional level, and it's not projectable to the NHL. And that kind of throws a big wrench into his entire trans offensive transition game. So mm -hmm. I, I kind of would like to see him revamp his approach in transition, uh, but... It does boil down to the to the this overarching uh, trend where he, there's a bit of an avoidance of attacking the middle lane with with Constellenius that you would like to see change over the course of the season, yeah. uh, especially in a league like Liga. Like that's that's not a league where I really want to see high end draft eligibles uh, push to the periphery. So definitely some questions there about uh, his his peripheral like, offensive game. But when he is able to get inside, he he's really adaptable. He he processes plays quickly. He's able to play through pressure at times. Uh, other times, he can be a little bit during the headlights when he's really skating into pressure. He's a bit better when it surrounds him, and he has 360 degrees to work with because uh, yeah. he is quite skilled and agile, and he's able to maneuver in that space. Yeah. But when it's like two attackers coming in straight ahead onto him, he, he kind of panics sometimes. So... Yeah, definitely some things to work on there, but the foundation for really fun skilled players certainly already there. Yeah, and on top of that, I was really impressed with the uh, the off puck engagement as well on both sides yeah. of the puck, offensively and for defensively. Sure. He's a really good forechecker. Um, the skating really helps in that sense because he's he's yeah. really fluid. He's got a wide base. He's got strong hip engagement. Really good ankle flexion. All the things, all the small details that scouts look for in, in a skating stride. He's definitely got. Um, and like I said, really good in the face-off dot. And when he loses face-offs, he's really quick to get aggressive on uh, defenders to try to get the puck back. Um, throws his weight around really well. Um, and I mentioned earlier that, you know, the concerns about his, his game being peripheral, I think that's more on the mental side than the physical side. Because oh, yeah. when when he's when he does, you know, carry the puck to the net, try to get off the boards, that kind of thing, um, there's some small details I really like. For example, he leans into pressure. He leans into defensemen that are pressuring him um, instead of away from them. You see a lot of, especially paradoxically, it's a lot of the bigger pro prospects that tend to lean away from physical pressure um, when, when there's a player like on the back. Like your favorite, Daniil Boot. Right? Uh, I mean, there's multiple examples. That, even defensemen. I mean, I've seen Anton Salayev do this. I've seen Maverick yeah. Amoureux do this, and they're like six foot seven. So it's just... it. it <laughs> It's paradoxical, but I mean, you, yeah. you see him play, and you just you see the small details. He he anchors his um, he anchors his outside edge and pushes into a player and, and protects a puck with one hand. Puts his hand to the side in order to prevent a stick check. You know, his form on on inside drives is really good. On top of that, he's got the small area ability. He's able to to work a lot of pressure. He's able to make small plays in tight. And like you said, he has really good quick reactions. So I feel like all the building blocks are there to create an inside-driven player, but there's a mental block. And that's where you need to work it out. Um, I'm still on the fence on whether it's 
tougher or easier to work that out. I feel like physical blocks are harder to overcome, um, but easier to teach, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. Whereas, whereas mental blocks are extremely difficult to teach, um, but once you've learned it, it's super easy to overcome it if you have the building blocks set, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree. Like, I... I think Lenny's is a really interesting prospect because he is really intelligent. I, I I like the way that he thinks the game and there are just a couple habits in there that seem to be pretty deeply ingrained that still he hasn't been quite able to shake off like what, two months into the league of season that are still quite yeah. clearly junior habits. But it, it's interesting. I think one prospect that he reminds me a little bit of um, and it, with one caveat there being the mental adaptability is mm -hmm. Noah Estland in his draft year. Uh, yeah. you, you see similar levels of skill and defensive ability and off puck engagement and, and decent small physical details of being able to push off opponents to create a little pocket of space. So I, I think if, if Hellenius is able to kind of develop along the lines of Noah Estland, where Arslan has been able to really integrate so many more professional habits into his game since his draft year season. He's been consistently uh, progressing. He is still quite diminutive, but he is winning a, quite a few puck battles now. Uh, and he's consistently just making the right decision at the right time all, all over the ice in all situations. And if we can see Hellenius kind of develop into that mold of player, I think we're going to see some a, a player that becomes a lot more versatile than what he is right now. And I think yeah. it would, it would uh, unlock some more offensive ability in this game. Because as of right now, I'm seeing a player who has some really, really strong defensive habits uh, and is a really, really strong goal scorer in the offensive zone. He's a wicked shot. He's able yeah. to access space to get it off. But... Uh, the overall like supporting offensive foundation isn't fully there just yet. Like the handling is really good, but he struggles to kind of leverage that to create advantages consistently. Yeah. Uh, but I think if he's able to just become a little bit more adaptable in the offensive zone and uh, be a little bit more conscious with his habits, which a player like Noah Esland always is, I think you might see significant progression uh, throughout the season. So fingers crossed that happens because Hellenius is such an entertaining player to watch. And if he's able to take those couple steps, we could be talking about a potential top 10 talent here too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, the small details like this remind me of how important it is for young players to kind of listen around, try to figure out what scouts like and try to figure out why they like this stuff and to listen to kind of these more tactical video coaches who break down tape and break down these intricacies because they're not always obvious. And with a player like Hellenius, I feel like he'd benefit a lot from video coaching. Um, but yeah, that wraps things up for today's episode. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you like what you've been watching, make sure to like and subscribe. Uh, leave us a comment in the comment section below, letting us know what you want us to talk about if you're listening on YouTube. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day for your second listen of the day make sure to check out lockdown sports today for everything prospects related and and, and sports related in general uh and make sure to tune in for our episodes for next week as we continue a bit of our prospect breakdowns and a bit more prospects content this is Haddock Calakesh with Sebastian High and we hope you tune in next time